Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. A busy show coming away between now and 7 o'clock as we wrap up. Ireland's fantastic win over Scotland today. It- front foot we got off to you know it just takes a bit of pressure off in the game it means they have to chase it a little bit they have to take a few more risks than we do and we'll hear from Joe Schmidt in a bit and from Rory Best the captain as well and analysis from our good friend the Ireland legend Moss Finn also on the show today we will have reaction from Douglas's win over Ballancolleg today reaction from Imo Achilles they continue their quest for three in a row their win over Sars going to talk about refereeing in Cork hurling going to talk to Cork under 20 captain Peter O'Driscoll and we're going to talk to local side Everton as well that's all it's coming to you now at 7 o'clock on the Big Red Bench My name is Rory O'Hagan here with you until 7pm I'm still a little um, shell-shocked after having Anna Geary and Killian Pettit scream flying with our wings down the speakers to me just before we started the show um, still not right for me to be perfectly honest it would set you back uh, going in to try to do an hour show really because um, they were out in the office doing the same thing yeah um, um, kind of throw you off a bit a little bit yeah no I did join <laughs> in admittedly right but <laughs> you bought tickets last week shush I've got street cred to maintain Half a cork watch tickets for it, but it looks of them. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic gig in Porky Cueva next year, featuring uh, Farmers Cove Ramblers uh, goalkeeper Nicky Byrne um, headlining on stage with Westlife. But uh, yeah, busy show coming your way now uh, between now and 7 o'clock. Got to introduce Kieran O'Regan, so that's Kieran O'Regan. Sound. Um, I'm nice that I'm, I won't be doing a whole pile of Westlife singing. I'm after burning my tongue. Um, How? I made coffee and I just made it too hot. Yeah, I'm grand for coffee. Thanks for the offer anyway. Well, you can have mine because I can't drink it now. God, love it. Try a lot of pseudo cream on your, your tongue and be grand. Oh, my tongue, yeah. yeah. Sound. <laughs> All right, get up to the We might actually break out into a sports show at some point in this hour. Fingers crossed, folks. Let's see how that pans out. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll bring it back down to earth uh, with some sports saying, get a game saying the Senior Football Championship. Douglas and Bannon College uh, went head to head earlier on today in the County Senior Championship quarter final in Parker Inn. It finished 112 to 9 points in favour of Douglas. We'll hear from the, the Douglas manager, Mick Evans, uh, later on in the Premier Intermediate Football Championship quarterfinal Bantry Blues and or Bantry Blues uh, will need a, a, a replay there with Bandon um, that game going uh, finishing in a draw 113 apiece in Dunmanway in the Intermediate Football Championship Gabriel Rangers had a, a two point win over Kinsale 12 points to 10 while uh, Drum Tariff and Bally Desmond the uh, Duhallow uh, rivalry there 3-9 to 115 that's uh, I was never good at Matt's roar but uh, I make that out to be a draw 3-9 to 115 so uh, they'll have to do that all over again Kildari and Yall were in action earlier on as well finished in a win for Kildari 113 to 2-7 uh, the Bars were taken on Ahabullock but it was Ahabullock who came through there 3-9 to 1-8 uh, also uh, Mill Street were in action against Glanworth today and it was Mill Street who won by a point 113 to 3 goals and 6 points in the County Junior A Hurling Championship Russell Rovers overcame Aerogue's second team 222 to 119 and Carg Navarre overcame Cladov's second team 116 to 111 a lot of people tipping Carg Navarre and Russell Rovers who played in the East Cork final mm. uh, two or three weeks ago to make the county final against each other as well 
Uh, it could be a cracker. There's a very strong possibility that could happen, but there's uh, some a good few other matches to happen before that could uh, mm-hmm. possibly happen. In the county, uh, Camogie Championship, uh, Sars and Carberry, a very exciting game there. It finished 2-14 to 2-13 in favour of Sars. That was after extra time, so a very uh, competitive game there down in Castle Road. The other game was uh, the Bars and Corsi Rovers, 5-12 to 1-5 was how it finished in favour of the Bars and uh, there's another match as well Glen Rovers and uh, Killa currently in action down in Castle Road that's the uh, the third the third game of a triple header so uh, lots of action uh, down mm. in the Mahan venue at the moment but uh, we'll get you a score on that uh, very shortly there doesn't seem to be anything online at the moment but uh, not in Cork actually Roar, but uh, an amazing stat <laughs> in Waterford uh, the Ladies Senior Football Championship final took place and uh, Bally McCarbury have won their 38th title in a row it's to the day they won their 37th in title a row. last year in a row like yeah and I, it, it's a competitive enough championship uh, Bally McCarbury obviously class like they, they really are a very strong outfit, uh, but Waterford ladies footballers are after coming on a bit as well. But um, it, it's phenomenal. Uh, Michael Ryan uh, managed Waterford there for a few years. He managed. He started all this in Bally McCarbury a long number of years ago. His daughter is still playing. She's one of the the main players. She's one of the main players for Waterford as well, Michelle Ryan. Uh, but yeah, thirty eight titles. That's in a row. sensational. I don't know has that ever been done before. Like split Bally McCarbury in two. They will. Do you know what? See, this is the thing. They will have to because they pull. <laughs> they will have to because they pull from the whole of West Waterford. Right. They, and they've Clonmel people from Clonmel coming down to them as well. So they're going to have to do something there. And possibly splitting them in two is uh, uh, the right thing to do. You might start that petition later <laughs> online. I think uh, a lot of people will be calling for that. In the Premier League, um, Liverpool in action against Chelsea uh, at the moment. Um, Chelsea have just gotten a goal back, actually. So oh. it's now Chelsea won Liverpool to uh, 78 minutes on the clock there. It was N'Golo Kante got um, the goal for Chelsea uh, just a couple, uh, about eight minutes ago. Um, Roberto Firmino, Trent Alexander-Arnold had gotten the goal to Liverpool in the first half. They looked to be cruising. Chelsea had a goal ruled out uh, thanks to Farr. I don't like saying it out loud. I hate far. I absolutely hate it. it ruins the flow of games. Yeah. Uh, the offside decision yesterday just ruined it for me. Um, so yeah, look, I'm not a huge fan of it, but look, it is what it is. Um, but that was ruled out. Uh, he was offside, like, but <laughs> yeah, Do you know, it's it's it was so it was marginal. Uh, it's based on the interpretation of the VAR team when the ball is actually hit by the attacking player before it goes to the player who's in an offside position and. Look, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is what it is. Yeah, but yesterday was a bit ridiculous. It is yeah. millimeters, oh, you know. In a situation like that, you got to give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. It's going to ruin the game. Um, yeah, it, 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 it kind of, and it spurs again. They just are having no luck whatsoever with VAR at all. Spurs. Yeah. I don't know. Does like what does Richie Pochettino even think anymore? You know, it's like a running joke at this stage. Yeah, um, it is. It's annoying, like, but there's 11 minutes now on the clock at Stamford Bridge and Chelsea pushing for an equaliser. Chelsea won Liverpool 2. Yeah, earlier on today, Man United were beaten away from home. Again, they missed out on the chance to go into the top four. Uh, that finished 2-0 to uh, West Ham. They Big. were absolutely dreadful. We get a report from Ian Beach. West Ham 2, Manchester United 0. Andre Yarmolenko's first half goal and a second half free kick from Aaron Cresswell mean that for the second season in a row, West Ham beat Man- 
Manchester United at home and uh, United didn't really look like they had a method for scoring to be honest especially once Marcus Rashford went off injured that's going to be a concern for United ongoing but a real buzz around the London Stadium as West Ham celebrate West Ham 2 Manchester United nil. yeah big fan of the stadium and also playing the Beatles twist and shout after that Great. game as well I'm um, just getting an update from um, Chelsea and Liverpool we go to uh, night, uh, uh, Joe, Joe Rawson who's at Stamford Bridge Chelsea have just pulled a goal back and what a fantastic hit it was from Ungolo Kanti who turned inside Fabinho at the edge of the Chelsea area rolled to inside the box and let one go that fired into the top of the left-hand corner of Adrian's goal the Liverpool stopper had no chance it means that Chelsea are back in this earlier Trent Alexander-Arnold and Fabinho's first half goals had given the Merseysiders the lead in for a frantic final 20 minutes or so as Jurgen Klopp's team hope to preserve their 100% start to the Premier League season. Chelsea won, Liverpool 2. That report was filed uh, quite a bit of goal but there is 10 minutes left as Chelsea won, Liverpool 2. Yeah, Man United really, like even during the week against Astana only you know, kind of stumbling over the line with a 1-0 win. Yeah, I shouldn't be beaten by more. Um, I watched uh, a bit of the match today. They were poor, no imagination, no drive, no impetus, no cutting edge. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer lost in the sideline. Wonder how long he's going to last and job the way things are going. And um, not um, a very deep squad. Marcus Rashford going off injured today with a groin injury. Paul Bogba not in the squad today. It's just, it's um, not a good situation. Not going to be a good season for Manchester United. Yeah, and the other game then as well, uh, there was a draw. Crystal Palace and Wolves won a piece in uh, that game. Uh, in the Scottish Premiership, finished Celtic 3, Kilmarnock 1, Elsewhere Rangers they had a comprehensive 4-0 win over St. Johnson. Uh, in rugby, Ireland sit top of Poulet at the World Cup with host Japan. Joe Schmidt's side enjoyed a 27-3 bonus point win over Scotland earlier on this morning. Took just six minutes for James Ryan to go over the line for Ireland's first try he's having a phenomenal year actually James um, touted already to be in the team of the tournament but uh, Rory Best Andrew Conway and Tyke Furlong also going over the line there uh, next up for Ireland is a clash against host Japan next Saturday morning uh, Italy coach uh, Conor O'Shea says there was too many mistakes in his side's opening win of the tournament they beat Namibia 47-22 in Osaka earlier and do sit top of Pulby however the Limerick man is looking for them to improve ahead of their game against Canada and England got their campaign off to a win in certain pool C. They beat Tonga 35-3. Uh, Ten-man Arsenal have just equalised uh, against Aston Villa. Arsenal to uh, Aston Villa to Callum Chambers with the goal for the Gunners there and eight minutes to go. Yeah, thanks, Roar. In golf, Danny Willett, he's won the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. He finished 20 under bar, uh, three clear of John Ram. Rory McIlroy was best of the Irish on 11 under. Shane Lowry finished up a shot further back on 11 under, while, or 10 under, while uh, Patrick Arrington finished up level par. In uh, motorsport, Sebastian Vettel has won the Singapore Grand Prix. He finished ahead of his Ferrari teammate, Charles Leclerc, with uh, Max Verstappen in third and Lewis Hamilton in fourth. In athletics, Lee Vale's Sinead O'Connor has won the Echo Women's Mini Marathon Leavell teammate Lisa Hegarty in second and Walgrass Hills Claire O'Brien in third uh, over 7,000 runners mm. took part in that this afternoon but uh, two of them weren't us no maybe next year maybe maybe next year we should actually do it next year uh, that, you know it's metaphorical no uh, I'm not joking <laughs> we'll do the mini marathon next year uh, that's that. That's it sorted I'll get the wigs <laughs> alright uh, we are going to start uh, with rugby in Ireland's fantastic win as Caron just mentioned 27 points to 3 uh, over Scotland this morning uh, top of Pule now along with the hosts uh, Japan uh, we're joined uh, by our good friend the, the uh, former Ireland and Munster legend Moss Finn to discuss it Moss uh, that was pretty much perfect from Ireland uh, today wasn't it 
a wonderful start to the world to, to the World Rugby Cup. Fantastic. The um it's as good as we could have expected. You know, we were a bit down in the dumps perhaps after the demise of England and the it's you know, lackluster performances in the friendlies leading up to this. But I, I think Joe Smith has answered a lot of questions. We seem to be very, very well prepared and things went our way very much. It was a, a wonderful start to the campaign. How disappointing were Scotland though? I would accept that Scotland didn't play particularly well, but then again, you, you know, you, you, you can only play what's in front of you and um, we, 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 we sort of made it difficult for them, is, is the way I would put it, rather than, rather than them playing badly. Um, Scotland play a high-tempo game, quick ball from Rooks, you know, Stuart Hogg, Finn Russell playing off the cuff type of thing, and I don't think the greasy ball sort of suited that, so that played into our arms a bit, but we up fronted, we came up front, we gave them ball, and they got ball going on the backward foot more, and we put pressure on them, which in turn made them make mistakes and make mistakes, and we capitalised on their mistakes. But we were ready for it, we were up for it, and, you know, everything went well. Phyllis played very, very well, you know. Our main men came back to form, particularly Sexton and Conor Murray, who are the hackbeats of the team. I was going to say, Conor Murray ran the show for Ireland today, but it was the, the work of the pack was top notch, and that gave uh, Murray the platform to perform, really. Absolutely. I mean, rugby is a game of possession. I've said it a hundred times. If you have the ball, it means the opposition don't have it, so they can't play. We got ball on the forward foot from sterling performances from the likes of Tyke Furlong, Henderson, um, Van der Fleer and Conan when he came on. We got ball on the forward foot, and that's exactly what you want, and we executed extremely well. I mean, Furlong hasn't played particularly well since he had three or four great tests there with the Lions a couple of years ago. He was outstanding, and if you're if you're standing up on the right-hand side of the scrum, it's a great start. And Henderson, the same, was a great deputy with them. The whole pack, CJ Stander as well, which was fantastic. We got ball on the forward foot. As you said, Murray had a look, did the right thing all the time. And, you know, he's had an indifferent year, year or so. So it was wonderful to see the main men doing so well, particularly against a Scottish team that have caused us difficulty down the years. Uh, Roar mentioned there, you know, how bad were Scotland, but was it that Ireland didn't leave them play their game? Oh, absolutely. And, well, I think the the the, the situation, the, the wet ball didn't help their fast tempo game either because when you're playing with a wet ball, you have to catch it sort of first before you pass it on, whereas if there's a dry ball, you maybe are able to flick it, not take it into your chest as much. Like So the actual conditions didn't help, but the fact that they were on the hind foot it's very difficult for them to play a high tempo game, a tight tempo game in that situation, and I think they were they were trying to force the game too much, which which didn't help. And the harder they tried, the sort of worse it got, you know. And we capitalised on that. But having said that, we were in their face. We were the guys on the forward foot, and that makes a terrible difference at that level. Plus the fact that Finn Russell really at ten had a pretty poor game, you must say, but. We were as much a cause of that as perhaps himself. Would you be worried about uh, any injuries there? They took Johnny Sexton off. Looked like he might have had a touch of a groiner hamstring issue. It did, and he hadn't been taking the place kicks, which is unusual. Yeah. He he had stopped taking the place kicks, which is unusual. Uh, Peter Romani, I'm not too sure. Bundyaki, HIA, I think. But they didn't look anything like anything serious. I'd be a bit worried about Peter Romani because we need the back rows of his quality. I mean... The uh, Van der Fleer did very well, Conan did very well, but we're already down Sean O'Brien and, and and Levy, two world-class back rows. So if we were to lose another back row going through the tournament, that wouldn't be good. But he didn't look too serious going off, so hopefully it was only a knock. 
but he, the likes of Peter now would be imperative to us, particularly without Dan Levy and Sean O'Brien. Yeah, I think it's Omani and Aki are going to uh, had HIA ones today. So with a six day turnaround, it's probably unlikely they're going to play next weekend. Unlikely, and I think the most salient point about next week was answered today, because on, on the ground I, I, I hear that Japan are go, were going to target the team that were beaten today. Mm. In other words, they would tar- they would see the team that was beaten today as the most vulnerable and the best chance for them to come second. So. There's perhaps a chance that Japan may not put out their best side against us next Saturday and save the best for last against Scotland. That could be a, a, a trend. You know, they might say, oh, Ireland are much too good to target to try and beat. We'll save our best for Scotland. So that could be a plus for us in the six day turnaround, you know. As you mentioned, Moss, a number of players standing up today. Andrew Conway, Jordan Larmer, when they were included in the team, maybe some eyebrows raised over that, but they certainly answered their doubters today. Absolutely. Lammer, who had a couple of iffy performances at fullback when Smith picked him before, was very assured under the high ball first, which is the most important thing. You have to catch it first before you do anything. He did that extremely well. He came out of defence extremely well and turned defence into attack. And like like him, I was very happy for Conway to get the try in particular. Mm. He's had he's been a wonderful player. I remember him just being described one time as the best school by player that ever came out of Blackrock College, which is saying a lot. He's had a very you know, rough start. He came down to Munster from Leinster. He's been injured a good bit, but he's always been a quality player who gives his all. And he's a great guy to win the ball in the air offensively, and he's a great guy to catch it defensively. And it was great to see him get picked, even though a lot of people wouldn't have picked him. And, and it was great to see Lammer picked. And the two of them were absolutely excellent. And the crowning glory, obviously, was the try for Conway, which both of them contributed to. to it was it was great to see it and great to see Conway rewarded for his persistence. He's 28 now, but he hasn't played a lot because he's been in and out and injuries and all that. But he is a very good competitor. And after today, I think his stock would even get higher because the better they'll get and they'll get confidence from that. Have expectations been raised after today's performance, you think? Um, well, you know, if we wanted to be absolutely analytical, and I've said it many times, we can perform against anybody in the world with the possible exception of England, South Africa and New Zealand. And I mentioned the three of them because I think they're the three nations in the world who can possibly overpower us. And Mm. if we're not overpowered, we can play anyone. And I don't think Wales or any of the other teams, with the exception of the three I named, will overpower us. So I think we will always have a great chance to get teams that don't steamroll us. So I would be hopeful. My expectation is, is possibly a little bit higher, but... I would be fearful of the physicality of South Africa come quarter final time because they demolished New Zealand there in the first 20 minutes yesterday. I know they were beaten, but the raw power that they have up front is frightening. I, I suppose more than likely Ireland are going to be taking on South Africa now, as you mentioned, Moss. Do you think maybe the backroom staff are already looking ahead to that? I would say we are. I mean, you know, Japan up first up next, but we are going to qualify now, and we will. We should qualify in, in number one position, having beaten Scotland. That was the importance of today. Yeah. That, that was imperative to win today, and I would far prefer to be playing South Africa than New Zealand. Yeah. And I think they'll be they'll be looking to that, and that's why we need the likes of Peter. We need a clean bill of health for that, so that we can. You like if we're playing against South Africa, and they, which they are going to try and beat us up, we need sort of we need ten forwards at least to combat that 
for, 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 for 80 minutes, you know, because they are a fearful team physically. I think we can stand up to them, but we need everybody fit to do that. Over the, the, the course of the tournament so far, Mast, there's been lots of calls for maybe red card offences that haven't been pulled. And, and just even yes, or this morning with the, the line ball, the Scottish line balls, it seemed to be, they seem to be fairly skewed towards uh, the Scottish side of the, the, the line out. Are the, the rules just not being implemented, the tournament so far? They, yeah, the, the, the big thing I was fearful of in the in the in the competition prior to this before it was the the red card situation and and the, the the new laws for the replays and that. But the what in in the in the under twenty cup this year there was eight red cards which had a profound effect on the outcome of matches. The fellows were reduced to fourteen, and the the referees don't seem to be as trigger happy as I thought they might be because there's been a huge talk about the issues of high tackling and they're trying to make rugby safe. So I think the refs will have to start doing that and they'll become aware of that when pressure comes on because if there's going to be high tackling and fellas getting slaps in the head and on you know, they'll have to implement that rule. And I thought that would be important in this World Cup. It hasn't been so far, but it was in the under twenty World Cup. So maybe after this weekend the refs might have a, might be spoken to and you could see a few reds for anything above the waist. Alright, we move on to the Japan game now next week we'll have a better, um, I suppose sense of what state the squad is in later on in the week when the management issue an update but would you expect Joe Schmidt to make wholesale changes for that game or will it just be whoever's missing and maybe one or two positional switches are I would expect that he would put out a fairly strong team because Japan are probably the only team left who could trouble Ireland um, so I, I wouldn't see him putting out too many of the second team but having said that when you saw all the subs that came in today they were so good that maybe some of the young fellas are probably maybe better than some of the older fellas. So, um, it's, it's, it's hard to know, but I would say I don't think he'll treat it. I think he'll give it absolute respect and probably put out nearly the strongest team he can relative to what he has available. I would, I would suggest that because I can't see the rest of the teams like someone that making threatening us in any way and he'll, put, he'll give all the other fellas a gallop in those situations. I would see him fronting up with a fairly decent team next Saturday. Yeah, well, uh, Shaluka, off to a great start in the, the Rugby World Cup. Thanks very much You're for right. joining us on the, the bigger event. You're very welcome, Kieran Roy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Moss. Uh, always great to have uh, former Ireland and Munster uh, wing Moss Finn on the show to provide his expert analysis on uh, what was an excellent uh, Irish performance this morning. As they mentioned to Moss, I think expectations are going to be raised after that uh, Ireland uh, performance. Um, it was excellent. Uh, admittedly, Scotland were poor, they were very poor um, but as Moss suggested there it was more a case of Ireland making them look poor than Scotland being poor themselves but um, yeah, expectations raised, job done and now it's just a case of getting through the next few couple of games unscathed and then preparing for South Africa in the quarterfinals. Yeah, it looks that way alright um, You'd be expecting Ireland should be coming through all those when they're, they're ranked number one in the world the, all the talk during the week last week of Scotland using shampoo in, um, in training practice for the didn't you know, seem to do much good for them today. Yeah, it didn't seem to do much good. Um, but is it is it an obvious but silly question? Why don't they wear the gloves? You know, with the cut off fingertips. Like Macassas, look. Yeah, but the, <laughs> you know, I was I had to think for a second. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's the, no reference right there. Um, Big pair of yellow Macassas. Yeah, <laughs> the last time you played football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know the the, the gloves that don't have. Um, the, the fingers covered, I'll say, with the grip on them. Would it not just make sense to wear those? Possibly, I don't you know. know. Um, I, I'd assume if it did make sense, people would be wearing them by now. Yeah. 
Uh, but the conditions there were terrible, especially in the second half. It deteriorated. Um, but look, a win is win, and it was a decent win, bonus point win. Job done for Ireland and uh, Joe Schmidt. Uh, certainly happy uh, in the post-match press conference, but he was asked first about the, uh, the toilet hat uh, on his squad. Tiger's fine. Um, Johnny is fine. We uh, decided to get him off, Connor off. Um, we had two HIAs, Bundy and um, Pete. They are both symptom-free at the moment. That's reassuring, but we've got to go through the process. They fail HIA-1, so they'll go through HIA-2, HIA-3. That'll determine whether or not they've got a concussion. Beyond that, the minimum time you can turn around a player is six days, so we'll look at how, how that pans out over the next probably 24 hours when they do their um, HIA-2 and HIA-3. Uh, yeah, Johnny is fine. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Joe, just after all the second row talk in the last few weeks, can you pay tribute to uh, Ian Henderson's performance? What you saw? Yeah, I thought he started the game really well. Obviously, we scored on the back of his burst. Um, he, he is a powerful athlete. I, I thought he, he really accelerated well, got through those t- first couple of tackles. He um, worked, away, worked his way around the pitch really well. Our line-out functioned really well with him and uh, James Ryan sharing the responsibility of calling the line-out. And, um, you know, defensively, he he worked really hard um, closing the gap. You can't afford to give uh, Scotland any, any space at all, either on the outside or they play those trail runners. And I thought Ian Henderson was alert the whole time. Rory, can you talk through your emotions when you not only get your fourth World Cup but also get a try in it? Um, yeah, look, it was. Uh, I think it was a it was a good start for us. I think when you start the tournament against a team like Scotland, you have a lot of nerves. You know you have to play well. You know you have to start well. And look, I think for us to um, get a couple of for the forwards' point of view to get a, a couple of tries in tight, um, it's pleasing. But I think we know that it's just a start and we need to get better and um, yeah look I think it's it's nice to have played in, in four World Cups now but ultimately from a personal point of view that, that means nothing that, that goes to the side and it's about making sure that, that we get better as a collective as we go along Joe if everyone had been fit perhaps uh, Jordan Lammer and Andrew Conway might not have started but can you speak about their performances yeah, we hadn't made any decisions earlier in the week, so they, they, they were first-choice selections, and they played like that, I thought. Jordan's energy, Andrew Conway's energy, they made a few errors, but very difficult conditions out there. Even prior to the, the rain, there was a little bit of film on the ball. It, it was quite slippery, so it, it is going to be one of those challenges if, if the weather comes in like that. Um, I thought Andrew Conway finished his try superbly. Jordan Lama was very good in the air. Uh, he looked dangerous. He, he opened them up one time and uh, got him behind them. I think uh, we, we probably made 10 line breaks, and, and Jordan and Andrew were the recipients of a couple of those, one for Andrew to score and one for Jordan to, to open people up. Uh, I thought he covered the space really well because that's so dangerous on the edges, Scotland. And, and he closed those channels down really well, both those guys. But, you know, so did Joe, Jacob Stockdale. I thought he was extra good defensively. He got um, Stuart Hogg a couple of times when he was sliding wide and, and it just allowed us to get onto the front foot instead of them getting that space on the edge.
you've been asked about a couple of individuals, but as a team, the collective, the cohesion that we saw out there, what gave you most, what were you happiest with, I guess, and, and what do you feel needs a little bit of work for as you go through this pool? Um, yeah, you, I was delighted with all 23. I think one of the things that sometimes happens is you build a lead and then you lose a, lose a bit of cohesion when guys start filtering in and out. I didn't really detect that that happened. Conditions made it really difficult for us to construct things, but we got the only try in the second half when a lot of those um, replacements were on. The scrum that uh, that we turned over with the replacements was really impressive, um, and I know Bestie was in the middle of that, but he had a couple of new partners either side of him with Andrew Porter and Dave Kilcoyne. Um, so that was really pleasing, but also that front foot we got off to you know it just takes a bit of pressure off in the game it means they have to chase it a little bit they have to take a few more risks than we do and at the same time uh, I was happy with the number of risks we did take um, you know it's I know it's only a one pass play to play up the short side to a player like Jacob Stockdale but it, it worked really well for us twice um, and, the, and the first time we got nothing on the back of it, but it would have been great if we did. CJ Stander through the middle, we got nothing off. Um, and Chris Farrell, when he got through off that scrum play, uh, again, we, we didn't get the result we were looking for from. But uh, when you build the pressure that we did, I, I think you're right. I think it is very much a collective performance. That's Josh Smith. They're happy with his uh, team's performance in that win over Scotland today. Moving on to Japan now next Saturday morning. All right, a couple of full-time reports. Uh, Liverpool have held on against Chelsea. Joe Rawson. It's finished. Chelsea 1, Liverpool 2. The Premier League leaders keep their 100% start to the campaign intact. But boy, did they have to work hard in the second half. Trent Alexander-Arnold's curling hits after being teed up from a free kick. And Roberto Firmino's header gave them a first-half lead. But Angolo Kante's brilliant goal on 71 minutes made it a nervy finish for the Merseysiders, who had to weather wave after wave of Chelsea attack late on. But Frank Lampard's side couldn't find the equaliser. Liverpool remain five points clear at the top full time. Chelsea 1, Liverpool 2. And Arsenal coming back to beat Aston Villa this afternoon at the Emirates. Nigel Bidmead. Arsenal 3, Aston Villa 2. Two goals in four minutes at the end of the game. Turned it around for 10-man Arsenal. John McGinn put Villa ahead on 20. Ainsley Maitland-Niles was sent off for a second yellow on 39. Nicolas Pepe with his first goal for the club equalised on 59 from the penalty spot but 60 seconds later Wesley's near post flick restored Villa's lead on 80 Callum Chambers lobbed Arsenal level once more before Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang hit the winner with a superb free kick Arsenal 3, Villa 2 Alright we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're talking Douglas's win over Balancholic Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM well, Douglas overcame Balancholic in this afternoon's County Senior Football Championship quarter-final, which was on in Park Arena. Finished Douglas one twelve. Balancholic nine points from your side, Kieran. You were just glad it wasn't raining, I'd imagine. Uh, yes, actually, the sun came out as what? well because we all I've got heard of that. Uh, we all got drowned last night. Um, yeah, I was watching it on TV last night, and I was like, I'm so glad I'm in this studio <laughs> and I'm not out in that match because it looked. It was, it, I think it was the end of or the tail end of a hurricane. 
going across the Atlantic I think we got but um, yeah it was horrific but anyway uh, today the sun was out pitch was in absolute pristine condition mm. you'd never know there was uh, a monsoon the night before and two games on it as well uh, two games yeah and two hard hitting hurling matches mm. but uh, the pitch was perfect today so there was no excuse but it, it, look it just wasn't a, a thrilling encounter Douglas will be glad to have come out of it um, it, it was in real championship Fair, I suppose you could say yeah. if that that's uh, fair to say. Yeah. Um, I, the Cork senior management, the entire lot of them were all there watching on anyway. So I don't know whether they picked anyone out. Uh, personally, I think the best on the pitch was Shane Kingston, right. who won't be playing for the Cork footballers next year. But uh, he had a fantastic game. Um, Sean Powder, I think, playing his first full sixty minutes uh, for the club since he's got injured. Um, he played very well, set up a goal as well. Um, and I think uh, Brian Boyle, the goalkeeper for Douglas, he had he'd made a couple of dodgy kickouts, which put Douglas under real pressure, and Ballincollig uh, capitalised on some of them. Mm. But he pulled off three fantastic saves, and one of them he didn't know anything about. <laughs> it just kind of yeah, it was a big loop dropping ball in. Uh, Bellancolic caught it uh, turned hit it through a couple of players and it just bounced off him he didn't know anything about it but it was just such a fantastic save he went down injured afterwards uh, but he stopped a, a certain goal which uh, <laughs> could have brought Bellancolic back into it at the time but yeah, um, yeah look it, it was a handy enough game but it just didn't feel uh, like a, a mm. championship match you know yeah Douglas won 12 Bellancolic 9 points that was the final score this is the Douglas boss uh, Mick Evans well the, the, the second half certainly you know we, we made a couple of changes again at half time uh, we're lucky with the the, the bench that we have uh, that we can bring fellas in like Niall Hartness didn't know until uh, you know quite late that he was going to start and uh, for a young fellow who was only a minor still a secondary school he was outstanding in the middle of the pitch like he was outstanding he took responsibility there at one stage and he kicked a point from f- 40 yards out that other fellas would be afraid to take more experienced fellas this guy is no fear you know so I'm, I'm delighted for them because we were knocking on the door there for ages and about how we got to a semi-final anyway and after that then well we'll take our chances right? a bit edgy second half oh, yeah, I, I think it took us to see you see our biggest disadvantage was the fact that we hadn't played for a while and they were only after playing a couple of weeks back or whatever That's you know, and it takes you a while to get in up to the tempo of the game uh, again but uh, I think you know second half certainly I mean that's our bar now at this stage second half is the bar really, that we have to go above that yeah. uh, and, well, and drive on saves, by the way. Yeah, well I partly guess in some cases his head would come <laughs> in, in handy so we thought he was knocked out but uh, I mean in fairness to him like, it was a the great save hit him in the face yeah Hit him in the face, no, side no, of the no, hedge. Whoever got the um, first, whoever got 100%, the first. 100%. 100%. Like we, 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 we thought we'd have pulled off another one below, but it was square ball, and that's, you know, that's yeah, the way it goes. We can't do anything about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, look, uh, you know, we, we put in a lot of work this season. Uh, we're, we're hoping that we can maybe go all the way, but everybody hopes that as the start of the season. You know, we're in the last four now at least, which is a huge thing for Douglas, and uh, we'll work hard now over the next two weeks, no matter who we get. Yeah, into the semi final, there's still things to work on. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have known how Shane Kingston played there today, right? Mm. We well, you know how he lasted an hour because he, he said nothing, trained all week, said nothing, but he had a serious chest infection. And uh, But yet he put in a shift there, particularly in the first half, when we needed guys to carry the ball and use, use his pace and so on. He put in a great shift, but that's the kind of spirit we want in the team, you know, unless you're almost horizontal, you play. Yeah. You know, he, you play. He, he set up a good bit, actually, he broke through a lot. His like, runs they couldn't keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, uh, his runs will do that uh, because, like, any time you've played, like Sean Potter is coming back, that's the first 60 minutes he's played in. 18 months you know what I mean so he's delighted and there's very positive from that point of view he's delighted that uh, that he got in an hour you know and we're delighted for him as well because he's had a bad 18 months or oh, no Sullivan will he be okay the next day do you think 
concussion. <laughs> so, new question. Well, well, there's a fair many paper on that. The underdogs. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, well, I put it to you this way, right? When you look at the performance of the two young fellas today, yeah. hard to get inside them. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the story afterwards. But not to <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, uh, well, he'll, he'll be in contention. Let's just say you're running. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I should try and feed the fall or something, Mark. I mean, Mark mentioned the goal there that you got as well, but it was fantastic. Dispossession from Powder. Uh, 100%. Yeah, he match. stole that out there, yeah. But that's experience and strength as well. You see, his strength and his lower centre of gravity when he got in when he got in for the ball, he was able to rip it and, you know, to see set it up really. If he hadn't made that intervention, well, it would have come back down the field. But as you said, like, was the, the goal was going, to, was going to give us momentum and when we got it. So. But there's also Cadigan's first run through the middle of the park. That that's right. Goal, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. A word for your full back line. Well, I was delighted with him, really. And I think in the last 10 minutes, like, we decided we'd, we'd, we'd lock the defence. And in fairness, uh, we locked the defence. And, like, they were shooting, but they were shooting under pressure. You know, and we, we were delighted with that as well. You know, we were delighted with that. So, you know, we're, as we've told him just now, like, we've won nothing, but we're in the semi final. You know, so anything is possible. And can you just, uh, he made three fantastic saves, but maybe some of the kickouts in the first half put you under a bit of pressure as well. <laughs> <laughs> we're never under pressure. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, Douglas boss Mick Evans there speaking after today's win over Ballon Colic, claiming they're never under pressure but after today's yeah. uh, six-point win over the Colic. Yeah, but um, they were under pressure on some of those kickouts. Mm. But uh, sure, look, they're they're happy they're going into a, a county semi-final. It's been a while since they've been mm. there. So, um, look, they'll all be happy in Douglas tonight. Uh, disappointment in, in Ballincollig, though. Yeah, last night, three in a row chasing McKilly overcame a disappointing Sars side in the uh, Senior Hurling Championship quarter-final in Porky in The weather, as we mentioned before, uh, playing havoc with the game. Made it difficult for both sides. Uh, Carol spoke to McKilly boss Fergal Condon. Well, I suppose the, the weather played a big part in that game, didn't uh, undoubtedly they are um, to be fair to Orphalus they put in a fantastic shift they are uh, special. Right, we'll just come back to that in just a couple of seconds the other quality is not great and that we're just going to tidy that up uh, just a little bit but um, yeah Nemo Kelly looking to go for a three in a row but uh, the conditions last night in Park Urin as Thomas mentioned it was absolutely torrential uh, the rain um, driving rain and it just came down bucketing bucketing down at one point I was just watching it on TV uh, in the first game you could barely see across the, the pitch um, but the conditions there are absolutely dreadful. But uh, and as Kieran mentioned, not conducive um, to good uh, free flowing hurling. Um, so it was just uh, a case of getting the job done, I suppose, for McKilly last night. Um, and they got that job done uh, last night as well. So um, it was difficult enough uh, for them, but they got the job done. And uh, we're going to hear now from uh, Fergal Condon after uh, the game last night. The weather played a big part. No, you don't. We'll come back to that in uh, just uh, a little bit, but uh, we'll hear from Fergal Condon in a minute. We'll move on and come back, and we're going to hear now from uh, Peter O'Driscoll, who is the latest winner of the Talbot Collection Sports Awards. Uh, Peter led the Rebels to All-Ireland glory last month. Kieran spoke with Elon Rovers Clubman about picking up the award and uh, the All-Ireland. Yeah, I suppose it's a great honour to get um, to be recognised for these prizes, but... Um you know, at the end of the day, um, I wouldn't be able to get these prizes without the team. So, you know, we're just uh, we're delighted as a collective group. And, um, you know, it's nice for some of the individuals uh, to be recognised. Um, like, obviously, you mentioned it's it's great to be recognised, but uh, you did have a fantastic year with the Cork Under-20s. Yeah, we're delighted, I suppose, at the start of the year. And most is something we set out to do was to win the Munster, win Ireland. Then it was just about, you know, that was our that was a collective aim. And we, if we all bought into it, we believe we could uh, achieve it. And, we're lucky enough to get there. And uh, look, well, you're being very uh, relaxed about winning an All Ireland, Peter. But it was a phenomenal achievement. 
Yeah, I suppose um, with the two games, the Tyrone game and the Dublin game, we're back really against the wall at, at different times. So, um, you know, the pressure is on in. So, you know, we can uh, we can really re- relax about it now. The, the pressure is on, so, like I said. So, um, you know, we're just enjoying it now and we're all back at club and stuff at the moment. So, you know, we're not giving too much thought these few days. And um, we're like sure now when the winter and stuff comes, we'll be getting back together as a group and stuff. Yeah, just on the the Talbot Award, we'll talk about the the under twenty win in a second. But the the Talbot Award, it's it's nice. We already mentioned it's nice to be recognised, but for uh, family and club members as well, it's it's nice. Yeah, it is. You know, um, without my family and club, you know, nothing. You know, I would I would wouldn't be possible to train at the level that we have to train at, and the, the club and very sportive. You know, missing training and stuff like that. You know, we're still in senior championship. Uh, we're playing out tomorrow and stuff like that so they never had a problem with missing training or being absent or stuff like that and uh, you know my family have been very supportive so I, you know I'm very grateful for all of that uh, you, you won that award on the back of the, the All-Ireland win this year uh, something you said uh, around the time of the uh, before the final was that you know Cork football being dead and buried that it wasn't uh, dead and buried and he certainly went on and proved that yeah I suppose he did you know um well, I suppose at the end of the day it wasn't really you know, doubt. That's how we went to win the Ireland. You know, we um, it was all about you know, it's just something we said we wanted to do, and you know, I suppose it did prove a point. You know, and, and then miners turn around and do the same two weeks later in the way in the manner that they did it. You know, we were very, you know, it was great to see them following. I suppose you could say they followed our lead, and um, mm-hmm. you know, no, definitely there's better times ahead. And look, you've spoke about Keith Ricken as well. The the influence he's had, um, he really is uh, uh, just. A phenomenal person, I imagine a phenomenal coach. Yeah, everyone, know, everyone has the same um, has the same opinion of Keaton. Apparently, you know he's um, he's got us all individually and collectively. So, um, you know the work he's done this year and coming at such a late stage and stuff. But I think it was the the twenty ninth of January or something we met Keaton. You know, and a lot of a lot of counties would be you know back and have the gym work and stuff done by then. So, um, you know, we were well behind schedule, but um, you know, in the, in the matter he came in and did his went about his work, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we made we made that time up no matter. And uh, I imagine you mentioned already that your uh, all the lads are back with their their clubs. What's the the plan next? Um, I suppose now we're playing Newstone in the county quarter finals um, yeah. tomorrow. Now, so you know it's about um, looking concentrating in that game, and then uh, hopefully we get the results there, and we'll be looking forward to the semi final. Yeah, perfect. Well, look, uh, Peter Russell, the latest winner of the Talbot Collection uh, Award uh, and captain of the Cork Under-20 footballers. Thanks very much for joining me. No matter at all, thank you. Yeah, it's Cork Under-20 captain Peter Russell. Congratulations uh, to him winning the Talbot Collection Sports Award. Now, third time lucky. We'll go back to Fergal Condon, uh, the McKinley boss, speaking after their win uh, over Sarsfields last night. Well, I suppose the, the weather played a big part in that game tonight. Uh, undoubtedly, they are. Um, to be fair, thoughtful is... They put in a fantastic shift there, especially in the first half, which, believe it or not, I thought, like, uh, I know we didn't score or whatever, but we had to dig in. Sears came at us really strong. Um, I suppose Offal has defended well, and we made them shoot from outside, which which was always a help, you know. Um, they had to underscores, and we turned over the pile of ball, and we brought it out. Um, we got a few good scores then, and uh, we went in with the lead at halftime, which um, which put us in a good state, like the conditions are atrocious. So um, I suppose we 
or four Christmas to get a good start in the second half and in fairness to Bill he won a great ball from the off and Jamie slapped it over the bear and set us on our way um, look it wasn't a need for a classy holding no doubt but you know we are very happy to get out of here and I thought that we did we did well for the conditions we were playing under Yeah, you got the, the goal already in the first half but 20, I think it was 22 minutes before you got a, a point I know the weather and all that but really if you want to be county champions for a third time you should, you know yeah, I suppose, yeah, but the elements were against us. Like, you know, um, scores weren't easy to come by either. You know, Sars had a lot of men behind the ball, which means they had a lot of men around the middle, which means they couldn't shoot just I'm not sure we're designed to uh, hear for Conan's interview this evening, just having some uh, technical problems. Uh, with our playout system here at the moment, uh, but that was uh, Fergal Condon speaking after uh, last night's win. Yeah, you got, you, you, you got the gist of it. You got the gist of it. It's probably possible. Well, the, we'll throw it up on our website later. Yeah, um, you couldn't hear the the torrential rain uh, there, but it was pretty horrific. We were in the the, the dugout doing that uh, myself and uh, two other journalists and. Uh, just the rain was absolutely bucketing down. Thankfully, I don't think Fergie, Fergie realised it, but uh, the rain was coming down behind him, so he was uh, blocking the rain from coming at us. Um, <laughs> that was sound of it. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty sound. I don't think he realised it, but we knew what we were doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, a comprehensive win in the end for for McKilly, but... Were you disappointed with Sarsfield? You would be. You thought they would have come out with more. They started off fantastically. Uh, you know, they really started fantastic in the game, and we were <clears throat> we were thinking to ourselves up in the press box that you know we could have a battle here. We could have a, a bit of a shock here, maybe. Uh, because it took Immokilly, despite the weather, you know, both teams had the the weather, it wasn't just uh, Immokilly up against it, that uh, it took them 22 minutes, I think, to get a, a point on the board. They'd got a goal, all right, but, um, yeah, they, they they seemed a bit off, but coming out after half-time, um, you didn't hear Fergal mention it there, but they obviously had words with the with the team, um, and they came out and, and really drove on in the second half. The game started to get away from Sars then, and then, you know, when games get away from teams, it can start descending into a bit yeah, of, yeah. it can get messy, um, and that's kind of what started to happen. Um, and just look, Immokilly are very, very uh, strong. Yeah. They're still favourites for the county, but they have to overtake overcome uh, the Bears next in the semi yeah that'd be a, an absolute cracker alright the games were broadcast live on RT last night um, John Myler uh, former Cork boss um, his selector former selector Kieran Fraggy Murphy um, were the analysts last night and they attracted a lot of headlines for their criticism of the refereeing uh, in general in the, the Senior Hurling Championship in Cork and they seem to suggest that the, ref- the, the game is refereed too strictly it's two stop start uh, and therefore um, it's um, Cork Hurling as a result is a little bit softer compared to as uh, Myler mentioned when he goes to Kilkenny or when he goes to uh, Thurless uh, the game's refereed differently there what's your take on that Kim? Like, actually, in all the years that Myler's been involved in management, uh, the, all the times we've interviewed him, he's actually refused to talk about referees. So yeah. it's a bit of a, a shock, I suppose, for him to have... Well, I suppose a, he's not involved anymore, so he can he can mention it now, maybe. I suppose, yeah, maybe so. Um, but still, like... If, I, don't, I don't think he can say that, actually, to be that mm. it affects the intercounter team, because... Th- those players on the the Cork team would have played one game with their clubs 
uh, before the Munster Championship. If you're being realistic, none of them would have really played league yeah. with the clubs. They would have played one championship game the first round, and then they're going back into the Cork setup, and Cork can have as many challenges as, or in-house matches as they want, and they have an in-house referee. If there's an issue with how the club games are being refereed, then surely they can just say, look, we want it refereed this way, X and Y, whatever. Uh, and whoever the referee is will will do it that way. This is what Miner said. He said, uh, Cork is refereed by the rules of the book. When I was Thurlis or matches in Kilkenny, it's a different game. They apply the rules there. That's just it. When you're playing the Munster Championship, it's totally different. I think it's happening. It's hampering Cork, the intensity of the game, the continuity of the game. The excitement isn't there. I know the conditions were poor, but there were two matches here last week that were stop-start as well, and there was no flow. The club game is refereed differently. In contrast, the refereeing to Kilkenny, you hardly see a referee in Kilkenny. So he's obviously advocating for the referees just let it go a bit and not be pulling up on every every little foul. Yeah, but there's there's a big problem with that because the the referee is only blowing to the rule book and mm. like how many of players or management have actually picked up a rule book and looked at it because all they're doing is going on the matches that they see on the on the TV yeah. and those are left flow because those referees are a different level. A lot of them have done All Ireland final, so they're not trying to tick boxes to get an All Ireland final. So they referee it however they want. Some of them, um, like there's a rule book there. He says himself, Cork is refereed by the, the the rules of the book. So like if you're going to leave some things go, where do you stop? You know, you're always going to have someone shouting. Like, if you were, you're a bars man, right? Just because you... No, back in the day. Like, back in the day. Well, just say, we're not picking on the bars, but because you're an ex-bars man, um, you're playing, you're looking for, you're at a neutral match, you know, it's blown for every foul and everything, leave it flow, leave it flow. But the, then your team are playing, you're ah, that's a free, that's yeah. a, you know, you can't win. And where do you, where do you draw the line? What, you know, th- there's a rule book there. The referee, look, there could be more consistency. There probably should be more training courses. There's one a year that's an in-service. Yeah. It's not the start of the year. It probably should be done. I think at inter-county level, they meet every uh, three, four weeks, or it actually could be more every two weeks. Up in Crow Park, all the inter-county referees. There's no reason why something like that couldn't happen monthly in Cork where things are, are thrown up. Because things come up in the middle of the year, which, you know... If if something came up in a match I was refereeing in the middle of the year, I'm going to forget it come January, February when I'm doing it in service. You know, um, I think I think it's very worthwhile if it, something was brought in maybe mm. monthly or every uh, bi monthly that the referees could go in have a, a meeting, go over things. But it's also I think very beneficial that if the clubs went and there was an information night or something, I think there should be something where the players can go in, check it out, and ask referees. Blah 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 blah. Because some referees bring in mm. ref- or some clubs, sorry, bring in referees, top referees, to go over some rules yeah. with them, and uh, they seem to do a lot better uh, because they know the score. But the, the rule book is there; everyone can see it. It can be downloaded for free off the GA website. Uh, <laughs> every referee sh- well, should have a rule book, um, and c- I'm sure would offer it to any player. Yeah. But like, th- th- this is the problem. There's rules there. Referees are only going by the rule book. Like, no referee cares who wins. No yeah. one, no referee keeps a free count. You know, so. They're all going to bat there for the referees. Shock, horror to any, anyone who's listening. Not biased at all. <laughs> all right, uh, we're running out of time, so we're going to talk football now. Local side Everton have been awarded the prestigious FAI Club Mark Award. The talk side is the second Cork club to receive it. I've been speaking to club chairman Stephen Crowley about the award. Started about 18 months ago. Um, 
it's it's something we felt we had to do as a club. It was it's really a health check for the club, mm. just to make sure we're going in the right direction. Um, it allows us to kind of get our house back in order to ensure it is in order. Yeah, so we're absolutely over the moon to have kind of met the criteria and t- tick that box. So was it a kind of a chance for you to assess everything from the ground up and make sure you're going the right a- way? Absolutely. It's it's basically it's allowing you to take a step back and have a look at exactly what you're doing from your coaching to your first aid to your governance to your child safety to literally mm. from top to bottom. You you have a good root and branch review. Basically, the club. Yeah, so like it must be kind of reassuring to get this from the FA. Say, look, you're going in the right direction. The club has been run correctly and properly. Absolutely. Um, we became the second club in Cork, second to Middleton. And when we received our club, it was 13th nationally. I think that's gone to 2025 mm. now. But yeah, it, it is nice. Um, I suppose it's a moving piece all the time because as you get volunteers and you go back and you start again, you guard mm. the vet them, you your child safety and your coaching course. So it'll be it's an ongoing piece all the time. But mm. yeah, it's absolutely it's great for us as a club and you know for people that are bringing their kids to the club to know that we were hosting yeah. art, which is a big big thing for us. And how complicated was the process? How much work went into it? There was a fair bit of work went into it, I worry. Um, th- there was a lot of work into it, a lot of small, tedious bits. You know, mm. you, you'd look at the document, it's two pages, and you go, geez, this is great, we'll, yeah. we'll rattle through this. But it's only when you dig into it, you know, are all your coaches um, guard vetted? Mm. You know, if they're not, you got to go and you got to get them to fill in a bit of paperwork for it. Then you got to send that um, up to the FEI. They send it on to the guard. You wait for that to come back. So that in itself is a slow process. Mm. Um, then obviously you have to set up with the FEI your child safety courses, your safeguarding courses. Again, it's just, it's educating the people that are that are helping you, that are volunteering to the club. Um, you know, the days of, as I said, throwing a bag of ball and bibs where we are, are well and truly gone, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the growth of Everton over the last couple of years has been phenomenal. I mean, like, how many teams do you have now and how many uh, kids are you catering for? Every yeah, week? so we go from five up to, up to senior now. At the moment, we're at about 21 teams, mm. which is as, absolutely astronomical. And it's uh, it's constantly growing. You know, we had to enter a second under 12 team there during the week, mm. which is fantastic. Um, because look, at the end of the day, it's grand for kids to be training. Kids want to play. And that's absolutely paramount. Our academy, which is um, the Dennis Oran Football Academy, mm. is um, hugely successful on the Saturday afternoons. Every week there's new players coming in and uh, even as I say, even at the academy from the smallest under fives, you're, you're coaching kids now really from, from, from five up. So mm. the growth has been phenomenal. Um, we've, we're coming up on 400 members now. It's it's absolutely huge and mm. continues to grow and obviously long may that last. Yeah, certainly. So um, a couple of months back you put out an appeal on social media for coaches and yeah. that kind of thing because you were struggling supposed to get volunteers in. Mm-hmm. Has that kind of rectified itself now or is that still ongoing? It, it has, Rory, but I suppose you never stop because as you get players in, you need to be able to coach mm. them. Um, you know, there's no point and we've kind of said as a club, there's no point taking players in if we can't cater for them. We're mm. better off at the start saying, well, look, we've got a problem here, it's a full house. Yeah. So no, we're thankfully and we've had to tap into parents a lot more, Rory, that's that's very, very important to parents. But as I say, we help the parents, as I say, it's not just saying, right, you've done that now, see you later, mm. give me a shout if there's a problem. You know, you bring them in under the club, we've got WhatsApp groups within the club, we have regular meetings within the club. So everybody kind of has a feeling and knows where the club is mm. going. And there's a pathway there for like licenses and stuff like that for Absolutely. So you start now with your um, PDP1, PDP2, and you go up. And in fairness, now the FAI have, I know they've come under a bit of pressure for different things um, recently, but the guys on, on the ground, your Stephen Amani's, your Nyla Regan, these guys are absolutely top class. Mm. Um, they're only ever a phone call away and you know especially Stephen Amani you know he's one that we've lent on um, and I've meet, another meeting lined up with him next week he's just fantastic he's pointing mm. in the right direction he, he guides you I suppose you know and it's it's a little bit unfair that these guys kind of get tarnished with mm. what's gone on at the, the the higher actions of it whereas these guys are doing the hard graft and they're absolutely a credit to the FAI really mm. you know Mr Chairman Steve I'd say it never stops does it? 
it's tough going on right Rory yeah. I'm sure if you ask my wife she'll tell you it, it, it never stops but you know Rory I'm only I suppose a small cog in a big wheel mm. you know we've got fantastic comedy members we meet every Monday night a lot of these guys will put hours upon hours in during the week I'll be in work and these guys are up mm. lining pitches cutting grass and everything else that goes with it you know it's it's a monster of a club no worry and it just it keeps growing and you got to you got to keep growing with it but mm. as I say we are very very lucky we've got a fantastic group um, of coaches managers admin committee people and uh, I say parents now have really kind of gotten involved with us as well which is absolutely mm. vital for us you know? and you kind of touched on the Dennis Sermon Academy there you must be blown away by the success for you do you know what we are Rory um, it was a part of the club that really needed a bit of work um, we were very lucky that Tony O'Regan came back in as academy coordinator um, this would be his second season at it and I suppose he's just really turned it around so um Thankfully, one of the first things we've done, Dennis put his name to it, which mm. obviously adds a, a lot of weight to it <laughs> yeah. before you start. And it's, you know, Dennis hasn't done that just as a tick box. He's, mm. he's involved. He keeps an eye. He speaks to Tony quite regularly. Um, he's back now in November and we're hopefully going to launch two big things there, but we'll, we'll keep that on November. <laughs> um, but the academy is fantastic, you know, and, and there are like, we don't ever cap the academy. So we welcome mm. new players every week. You know, you'll find us on social media. Um, and if there's anybody, boys and girls from the ages of five to 11, um, train out, out in Nina Park Sports Complex on a Saturday and you know we always welcome new players mm. but yeah and it, it, it really has it, it's evolved and long may that continue because you know you got to keep yeah. the you know if you're under sixes go to under sevens you've got to go back in and get more under sixes on mm. and, and up it goes but thankfully um, the kids have just returned and, and long may that last and yeah. long may it continue yeah we wish you continued success Stephen congratulations on the uh, the award as well and uh, best luck for the future thanks very much for having me Rory thank you and great to see uh, my good friends at uh, Everton going from strength to strength and uh, congratulations to them on that FAI Club Mark Award right we're out of time uh, Alan Dunham's up next with Green on Red podcast online shortly follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench we're back next Saturday from 6 talk to them folks the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.